if you're uh, a British citizen, uh, then you're liable to UK inheritance tax on your worldwide assets at 40%. So whether you own a villa in Spain, in Florida, in Antigua, in Singapore, then that, that is comes under UK inheritance tax at 40% if you're a UK uh, citizen. If you're an expat with UK assets that you own an apartment in London or, or uh, Manchester or around the UK, or you've got investments or companies based in the UK, then you're liable to 40% inheritance tax, at least on those assets in, in the UK. So expats living in the UK or expats, UK expats living around the world have, have got this spectre of 40% UK inheritance tax that follows them around. Um, now, within the UK, there are some things that you can plan to do to avoid inheritance tax. And we'll briefly look at those because those apply to expats as well. But then expats have a whole new world of opportunity that's available to them. And last year we saw Pandora's papers opening up uh, and, and uh, looking at people who've got offshore companies and trusts and what have you. That is planning to save inheritance tax planning to save the cost and delay of probate uh, and planning to make sure that it, uh, the, the fruits of your lifetime's work and savings uh, pass to your family and not the taxman or, or the lawyers in the middle. So that's what we're looking at. So uh, as, as a company, Um, just checking my messages again. Uh, as a company, we we are uh, try and guide people towards this end. Now, looking at it from a UK perspective, uh, the first thing people will say is, "Well, there's no inheritance tax up to three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds. That's a, a a free inheritance to the family, which is correct. But with that uh, rate." frozen for many years and, and set to continue and the rising cost of property prices increasingly that 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 is getting eaten up uh, so anybody with asset total assets below 325,000 hasn't got an inheritance tax liability when a, a couple are married married then they have 325,000 each uh, on first death the the 325 can pass to the spouse and so it's 650,000 on second death if you've got an own or main property residence in in the UK that too can pass with that inheritance tax so again that's a potential another 350,000 so that's a million in all that can pass free of inheritance tax now it's not right to say that if my estate's below a million I'm not going to pay inheritance tax because it depends how you organize your affairs and what your arrangements are. And, and that is where we say, we're looking here about what plans you can make and what steps you can take. Okay. So the, the first step to planning for inheritance tax is to make a will. And everyone who hasn't got a will should make one so that the assets are divided up uh, uh, accordingly and the right way and in the tax efficient way. So the, there's a certain amount of uh, estate can pass by default to a spouse um, and, and to a lesser degree children, but, but that is it. So if you've got um, 
stepchildren or you're unmarried, then uh, probate and administration is required and, and that will create complications. So always make a will. Um, a typical probate in the UK takes nine months, but in other jurisdictions, it can be a lot more. When you're working in a foreign language across border, then the documents and processing for that probate administration need to be certified, apostilled and translated, adding to the expense that the lawyers, the probate lawyers, the court costs cost for each jurisdiction. So you may only have a, a 50,000 apartment uh, overseas as a holiday let, but it could cost a lot of money just to get that managed and sorted and transferred to the family. So that, that, that could be a worry. If you've got a company and you're trading as a personal service company or as a business company and you die without a will or you die without you know, replacements in place, then the company may struggle to continue tr trading or the monies might be locked within the company and, and not able to be distributed to, to the beneficiaries. So again, there's more actions that need to be taken there. And all those can be foreseen by will. Now, with a company, the directors and the shareholders might take additional steps to appoint replacement directors um, and, and, and controllers. Um, uh, if there is no direction, then the court could appoint an administrator or receiver. That's exactly what they do. And they will come with their fees. So again, for the family to stay in control, you need to make the necessary preparations and steps with your company and your and your property and your will so that your affairs go where you want them to go and not um, where they go after nine months or more uh, through a legal process and through the courts. Everything's protected, but you, you, you're not just paying 40% inheritance tax, you're also paying the cost and the delay of, of the probate administration which in some jurisdictions can take years. Trust me, we've got this experience with many of our clients from around the world where we've seen this happen uh, to them. The uh, 325,000 allowance passing to a spouse, though, is a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. Um, the the 650,000 still passes uh, to, to can still pass to the family. But if you've got another plan or another arrangement or another wealth to create, then um, the, 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 you could make the choice to make that gift on first death and to protect that money, whether it's in a business, a property, an investment or crypto, on first death so that it's protected going forward in, in the future. So if, if you've got a, a 325,000 investment that passes to uh, the spouse, that spouse then inherits the, the dividend tax, the income tax, or the property rental tax on, on, on that asset. So you've missed a planning opportunity there. Um, plus, uh, an individual has got a limit to the gifts that they can make and, um, and, and the allowance that they can make by putting everything on, onto one owners, you know, there is some liability there. Another consideration is that if there has been divorces or the people that are not married, 
or the children from different relationships, then the rights and access are, are, are impacted. So if you've got a couple which are on second marriage and they've both got children by first, ma first marriage and the second marriage, um, different children will have priority over each other. So a spouse could die on first death, want to leave everything to the husband, um, but if the husband has got different children to the deceased wife, um, his children would take priority of his estate. How do you sort that out? You go to court, you get the lawyers involved to get the cost and delay of the expense. Um, typically, uh, when you're reading a will and, and considering the options, uh, the question that we generally get after between six and ten minutes from the beneficiaries is, when do we get the money? And, and people do want the money and, you know, your spouse, your partner, your family need protecting from uh, what could be a, 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 a claim against your assets when you're dead, you're gone, you're here, um, that is contrary to your wishes. So it's an important step to consider and, and, and that's what a will helps you to do to protect that. If you use the will to create um, an intermediate estate that allows the spouse to still retain control of the asset, but for the asset to pass to your beneficiaries in due course, then you can make sure that your wishes on your first death are adhered to on the second death of your spouse without uh, um, not just stepchildren and remoter issue getting involved, but also um, a, a widow or widower could, could remarry and that would bring new rights upon them, which again create a, a level of complexity which involved the courts and involves the, um, uh, an element of time and expense with, with lawyers' fees. So a will helps clarify that and protect that, but using will trusts and estate planning, you can hold those assets in a way that reduces future income tax, dividend tax, property rental taxes, inheritance tax, and the cost of delay of probate. And potentially uh, inheritance tax. <clears throat> so making a will is always the, the first part of it. Now, when when you own a company, uh, if, if the uh, shareholder dies, the shares are distributed by the estate, but the, the company could still uh, function if there's a board of directors in, in control to, to operate the company. If the company's got a mandate, then a, a, a court-appointed administrator would, would, would apply. But a company can continue. So the director could die, there could be a board of directors, or there could be nominee reserve directors, or there could be somebody to take over that could keep the company running, even if the shareholder is dead. And in, in due course, the shares could be passed to the beneficiaries, but the, the functioning of the company could, could carry on. If there's no ownership or control that is alive and no uh, legal way of appointing new people, then the company would have to go into administration, close down, and that could lose the wealth that's been created in the value of that trading company. If you're using a company as an investment platform for property and um, 
uh, or, or investments or crypto investments, then it, it, you could end up with a position where court appointed administrators have to liquidate the assets of the company, um, uh, which leaves you to a forced sale situation of property, a loss of rental income or forced sales. So you're selling out of investments either at a good time or a bad time, but losing potential future gains um, until the nine to 18 month process of probate is passed and the net proceeds are then passed to the administrators. So that again is something that you can control if you're operating a company, if you've got the right uh, 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 shareholder agreements and, and management agreements in place. And so you've got succession of directors and administrators going forward. So that's something important to look at. And every company should, should do that, especially if it's a company of, of value. So if we're given all that and we've got that arrangement in place, we've made a will and then we've got our company and made that protection and we're protecting our rental properties within the company, we're protecting our crypto holdings and our investment positions that we've taken up. What else can go wrong? Well, as I say, the spectre of inheritance tax doesn't automatically go away. Uh, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> inheritance tax is a tax that's charged on death. So every after every death, um, you need a tax clearance. The tax clearance, whichever jurisdiction you're in, is needed before the assets can be released to the beneficiaries. So if you've got a probate administration uh, that you have to go through, part of that process is the tax assessment for inheritance tax, which would then need to be paid either by the estate or the beneficiaries. Okay, So that tax clearance is your last tax return. So if you've got a, a capital gains liability in the business you've built up of uh, a million pounds at 20% uh, or even a million pounds, a capital gains liability in the business you've built up at 10% using entrepreneur's relief uh, and you've taken no action with that and you die suddenly, um, the inheritance tax, uh, the capital gains tax goes away and it becomes inheritance tax. So instead of potentially a business paying just 10% capital gains uh, tax on entrepreneur relief when you retire, when you die early, you pay 40% inheritance tax, potentially. Still got the allowances, but we're, we're working within, uh, within the remit of, of, of assuming that that's there. So we're talking about assets um, that are liable to inheritance tax, and, and, and that, could be, that could be one of them. So the the if you built up a capital value in your business you built up an inheritance tax liability as well now the, there's two things that there's assets that are fixed and tied to the uk and there's assets that are worldwide so let's look at the assets that are fixed and tied to the uk these are charged to inheritance tax for all expats whether it's a uk expat living outside the uk as a non-resident so even if you're a non-resident to the UK, tax resident in another jurisdiction, all your UK assets are still liable to UK inheritance tax, whatever your situation. Secondly, any expat who, who owns property in the UK but doesn't come from the UK, all those assets that are fixed in the UK, again, apply for 40% inheritance tax. So, so what does that mean? It means if you have got shareholdings in the UK, if you've got... At uh, certain times of fixed investments, uh, government securities in the UK, premium bonds, for example, is a simple one. 
if you've got um, uh, property in the UK, if you've got, uh, it's, it's all within that. So if you've got uh, property holdings directly or indirectly um, through, through your company in the UK, they are fixed assets in the UK and they're liable to UK uh, inheritance tax on your death, even if you're non-resident and living elsewhere around the world. Um, um, so if you're a Hong Kong investor in the UK, that inheritance tax rule will apply on those assets. You have your personal allowances. Now, can a, an expat living outside the UK um, claim to own or main residence in the UK? Uh, we're not sure. We haven't had it applied yet, but it's an interesting question. So an expat could keep an empty property in the UK and claim it to be their own or main residence. Uh, for that, there is a process they need to do. And if you don't do that and nominate that property as your main residence, you will never get the main residence relief, the extra 350000 of inheritance tax. If you do nominate it as your own or main residence, as an expat, then you just leave yourself liable, open to saying, well, you've said this is your permanent, your main residence in the UK. Therefore, you're saying you're non-residence, but we're going to put you on a dual taxation basis. So you leave, you've got this potential liability to dual taxation in that sort of instance. And I'm not saying that that will happen. Uh, I'm saying that it could happen. And, and so keeping a property, um, it should be nominated as your main residence if you want to try and get that allowance. Is it guaranteed or could it have a backfire on some other part of your um, uh, UK tax liability as a as non-resident? So even non-resident UK expats can still be taxed on the dual residence basis, depending on where their principal assets or income uh, lie. Uh, so it's, it's a point worth considering and needs to be evaluated. It's one of the things we do with clients. We value, produce reports on, on what we think their position is in terms of uh, their, their liabilities. So <clears throat> uh, let's assume that there's, the, that there's two million, uh, there's one million of liability to inheritance tax in the UK. Um, even though you've got a worldwide asset base of 50 million, that 1 million is still liable to 40% inheritance tax in the UK. Double taxation agreements can still apply, so you won't necessarily pay that tax twice. But if you're in a jurisdiction with little or no inheritance tax, you'll still pay that 40% to the UK first. So uh, it, it's something to bear in mind. Now, if an expat owns a property in the UK, uh, that's valued at around £300,000, £325,000 on death, that passes and that, that's the use of their UK inheritance tax liability. So it's a simple step that expats can take. You don't need to nominate the property as your own or main residence. It can pass um, uh, to, to your beneficiaries free of inheritance tax. If the property is worth 650000 and you're married, again, it, it, it can be retained for a couple of years you might need to consider whether it's owned in joint names uh, um, uh, as a joint tenancy or a tenancy in common which can make an impact because the survivor automatically owns the whole of the property and and that could again disenfranchise some uh, stepchildren or family members or or, or a new spouse could be alienated so it's, it's something you know, that needs to be considered on that joint tenancy or, or tenancy in common situation. 
And that applies to all expats owning property in the UK, whether they're UK expats living and working abroad or uh, expats that own property and investments in the UK. Shares would apply to that. Crypto based in the UK, crypto holder based in the UK would apply to that. Um, if your tax residency in the UK it would apply to that. Um, now, what defines a UK uh, worldwide domicile as um, inheritance tax as opposed to uh, just UK assets? It's not being non-residents. As we said in our previous uh, webinars, uh, domicile is not is not the same as your tax residence. So you can be non-domicile to the UK, but still domicile. You can be non-tax resident in the UK, but you're still domiciled in the UK because that's where you're from. It's where your parents are from. It's where you were from. It's where you're born. Um, now, that can all change, but if you effectively grew up uh, in the UK, uh, turned 18 in the UK, live in the UK, educated in the UK, there's a good chance you could be domiciled. However, you can be uh, uh, children of UK expats born in another country, brought up in that country, and still be domiciled in the UK. There's lots of different catches. The same with non-residents that can catch you. The most famous case was somebody put in his will that he wanted to be buried in the UK, and that was deemed to be sufficient for him still to be seen as, as being domiciled in the UK, even though he'd spent uh, you know 30 odd years in Monaco as a tax exile. So uh, domicile is key. It's where you're from, it's where your parentage is from and where you're born and where you're brought up and where your citizenship. Domicile is not the same as citizenship, so you can be a British citizen and domiciled elsewhere, and it still affects, it affects the 40% inheritance tax, whether it's for UK assets or worldwide assets. So something to look at there. Um, so a UK expat um, who's just left the UK and has been non-resident for two or three years is always going to be still domiciled in the UK. There are many fancy schemes that you can pay um, uh, people like us and, and other tax lawyers to um, uh, try and mitigate and move away from domicile. Uh, the only actually legitimate way uh, of becoming non-domicile is to spend 17 out of 20 years as a tax resident in another jurisdiction. And that's that's the legal definition. So if somebody, uh, a British citizen, has lived and worked in the United States for 20 years, then they can claim domicile and they can write that into tax returns or notices and get that verified before before while they're still alive. So that, that is, again, a service that we would offer to clients. Um, but if, if you don't have that clarification, then it, it's there to be argued after your death with your inheritance tax return. And again, that could involve, involve lawyers, tax accountants uh, and expense trying to argue against the, the domicile liability to worldwide inheritance tax as opposed to just UK inheritance tax. OK, so um, that, that's, that's another issue to, to consider. So if you're domiciled in the UK, worldwide assets are liable to inheritance tax. So you could have a Malta, Cyprus, um, uh, uh, Caribbean offshore company to operate as your personal service company or your business company, but it will still be liable to UK uh, inheritance tax assessed on its capital value, the share value 
or the investment holdings, wherever they are around the world uh, on death. So um, <clears throat> that's if you're domiciled. If you're non-domiciled, so if an expat has been living and working abroad for, for 20 years, then it's possible to uh, make a, a status and define your status as domicile. And as long as you then, once you've got that position clarified, um, then as long as you maintain that status, then you will avoid UK inheritance tax on your worldwide assets. So it's about planning your investments, planning your property holdings, property, planning your shareholdings, whether they're shareholdings of a business or of a, a property company, so that they're, they're gifted and, and held in a certain way that you can avoid that liability to inheritance tax. So it's about the organisation of shareholdings, of property titles and, and investment holdings. <clears throat> um, whether you, so all expats with UK property, business or investment interests have got that, that liability and that's something to look out for. Now, if I, you'll often hear me come back to Cyprus as an example. So let's look at Cyprus. In Cyprus, they, they have a specific status for tax residents where they can be registered as non-domicile. So that's good news and that's bad news. So if you're a non-domicile expat in Cyprus, you have a zero dividend tax and, and, and no uh, interest tax either on, on your worldwide earnings. Um, so that can be very beneficial if you're operating uh, and receiving lots of uh, dividends as part of your income you can pay zero tax uh, on that during your lifetime but the double benefit of cyprus is there's no inheritance tax either so um, it, as long as the assets are uh, based in or around cyprus uh, uh, and a cyprus non-resident uh, is not going to pay any inheritance tax, it's going to pay zero inheritance tax on assets. And if they're a, 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 you know, a Cyprus um, personal service company, which is paying dividends, those dividends that they receive during their lifetime, it can be zero tax as well. Uh, it, it, the same goes with investments. So there's no inheritance tax on investments. The only capital gains tax in, the U, in, in Cyprus is on Cyprus residential property essentially, uh, so in, uh, sorry, any Cyprus property, you're going to pay um, uh, capital gains tax on that disposal or that gifting. On death, you don't, there's no capital gains tax on, on, on the property as long as it's gifted to family. So you're talking about children, blood relatives, children and, and marriage spouse. So it's, it's stepchildren uh, is not a free gift. Um, and, unless you're married. So there, there are rules and ways around it, but Cyprus property investments, so if you've got a holiday home in, in Cyprus, that can be uh, gifted to family without capital gains tax during your lifetime, without in, inheritance tax on death. Um, and if you've got a Cyprus company operating uh, as a non-DOM expat, you've got a 0% tax. On the reverse side of that, if you're registered as non-DOM, as a Cyprus tax resident, and you're from the UK, then you're confirming you're, you're domiciled in the UK. So you can't be a tax resident in Cyprus for 10 years 
and, and say that you're non-domiciled in the UK, if you're registered as non-domiciled in Cyprus, you, you, your domicile of origin stays with you unless it changes. And if it changes, it, it reverts to the original if you do something to compromise that change of status. So living expat for 30 years, but then going back to the UK for the last five years brings back your domicile to the UK. Um, <clears throat> again, so that's something to bear in mind. So going back to Cyprus, it, it's a fantastic place for non-resident uh, expats to live and work from. Uh, you know, so you can be working abroad outside Cyprus and only paying income tax on your admitted income, no dividend taxes, no capital gains taxes, no inheritance taxes. Uh, but not everybody wants to live in Cyprus. And I can understand why. Um, it's a beautiful place. Some call it the Garden of Eden, but it, it, you know, it does have its limitations. And if your family interests or your business interests or, uh, are in Europe or Asia or Africa or the Middle East or America, then you know, wh why choose Cyprus? There's a, a, an additional, uh, under British English law, which Cyprus is based on, of, of a Cyprus International Trust. So if you're not a tax resident of Cyprus, uh, a Cyprus International Trust is, is a way of holding assets that are not, um, uh, to make them resident in Cyprus as, as assets and, and protect them uh, and bring them under Cyprus ta tax laws. So uh, if you own investments inside a Cyprus International Trust, there's no Cyprus tax liability, only on any income that's arising from Cyprus assets. So if you own a, a property inside a Cyprus International Trust and you rent that out it, from Cyprus, if you own a Cyprus property in the Cyprus International Trust, then yes, that, that property is still liable to capital gains tax on sale or uh, property rental tax on, 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 on the income. But if your Cyprus International Trust owned um, uh, a property in another jurisdiction, it, it would, would have no capital gains or inheritance tax liability in Cyprus, just in, in the original jurisdiction. So it doesn't protect you from that original distribution, but the ways and means that you can have that asset held and, and transfer the, the control of it to Cyprus. So if you've got a, a, a property company in the UK, for example, uh, and the shares are owned by the Cyprus International Trust, you don't need a probate on death. The shares are owned by the trust. The trust is a family trust, is controlled by the family, and it passes without administration. When assets are held in trust, there is no probate administration to hand it over. So it's like owning a company, it carries on even though the staff may change, the directors may change, the shareholders may change, the company carries on as an independent tax entity. So I presented International Trust is an independent entity that endures and, and across border and whether you and, and on death as well. So that you're, you can nominate, as you do with a company, uh, replacement trustees, uh, the equivalent of a director, to, to control the, the family affairs. And this is how the American uh, uh, billionaires uh, use foundations 
to protect their, their assets. So they pay relatively low tax because they're using a foundation, um, making some charitable gifts as part of that process uh, to protect them from personal income taxes or corporation tax income taxes. Uh, <clears throat> so there's, and there's lots of different ways to do that. So the assets within the Cyprus International Trust can be uh, any shareholdings from anywhere around the world. So any company around the world, um, it can uh, owning property directly is is a, another complicated area. But if you own property in in a company, that that company shares can be owned by the <clears throat> by the trust. Uh, your investment can be owned by the trust. Um, your crypto investments can be owned by the trust. This is why you invest in unit trusts, in investment trusts. They are trust organisations where you have a fund manager managing your money for a fee. And what we say is that if you've got, uh, as an expat, you've got property, business, and investment and crypto assets around the world, across border, uh, that you want to protect, uh, no matter what the marital relationship is, first, second, stepchildren, not stepchildren, your wishes can endure and you can protect the assets from inheritance tax and capital gains tax across border and down generations. And, and, and that all starts with making a will. It starts with organizing your, your wealth through companies uh, or, or investment portfolios, uh, but it's who is the ultimate beneficiary. You don't need the property to be in your name to enjoy living in the property. You don't need the boat to be in your name to enjoy sailing the ship. Um, paradox in the UK, lots of people think they own a, a car. They don't. In the car in the UK, you're the registered user, uh, but you actually don't own the asset, which is why it's treated as a, a movable asset to move on. You go to a place like Cyprus, you do own the car, and therefore it's a capital asset that has to be settled under probate and administration. So <clears throat> there's lots of opportunities to take. Now, if your worldwide assets are below 325,000 uh, in the UK or worldwide, uh, a will will avoid the cost and delay of probate and allow things to pass to your family relatively simply. But any, once your situation gets cross-border or larger amounts, you've got a, a complexity. It doesn't matter if you're where your tax resident, uh, UK inheritance tax will follow you around, um, even if you're non-resident to the UK. And by planning ahead, uh, you expats can protect their, their family, uh, property and business assets to make sure that they get to the right person at the right time uh, going into the future. Uh, if you want any more information, you can chat with us live at projectpartnership.co.uk or you can join our retained client services where we've got an online advice service and guidance and access to more information. And what we can also offer you is, is more detailed uh, planning and assessment uh, uh, situations to, to consider your, your, your circumstance and, and, and make plans for the future. Um, we've got a team of uh, paralegals and legals and accounts and audit people that can help you uh, with your tax and um, property ownership and conveyance arrangements. For more information, you need to contact us at projectpartnership.com. And now we go to any questions.
So if you've got any questions, I need them to come up on the chat screen now. Uh, and otherwise, other than that, I'll just summarize that um, in the next few weeks, we're gonna look through our series. So <clears throat> we're looking more detail about how a will can be used to uh, manage uh, estates and, and save quite a significant amount of tax uh, for, for a family. Um, and then the, the following week on the uh, 16th of February, we'll be taking a, a deeper look at the, the link between capital gains tax and inheritance tax. Inheritance tax is, is a, uh, a capital tax. It's applied on death. So capital gains tax may go away when you die, but it converts to inheritance tax. So we look at that link and, and how you can avoid both if that's what you want to do. So you can build your business and sell it with entrepreneurs relief at 10% capital gains. But what if you could pay no capital gains and no inheritance tax? Um, how to hold a property and business and investments and avoid that capital gains. Look a bit more at this this trust option, how the foundations and trusts can work to protect you, not to evade tax, um, but to make sure that your uh, family are protected and that the, the legal and, and court work involved in uh, cross-border and down-generation handovers of control and assets can be protected from that time and delay and expense, as well as from the inheritance tax. And, and that then culminates in, in the final week, the first week of March, where we'll look at how these gifts can be made uh, into the arrangements, because trusts too can, can generate tax, but we, we can minimise that and know, know what our liabilities are. We can address it from there. I can see no immediate questions being typed up. So at that point, can I say thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for our live Wednesday webinar and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.